We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Napa A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Tuesday, February 21st. Nick Whalen here with DJ Trainer. James Anderson going to hop on with us in a little bit as we talk trades. Thursday is the NBA trade deadline. 3 p.m. Eastern, I believe, uh, is the firm deadline. Obviously, we'll have to talk about DeMarcus Cousins. He's now in New Orleans. If you somehow haven't heard that by now, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but first, one Happy birthday to Steve Francis. It's his 40th birthday today, as I'm sure everyone is aware. Um, But let's talk All-Star Weekend. I just got back from New Orleans last night. 
came home, dropped my things off, immediately went to a rec league basketball game and played maybe the worst basketball game of my entire life. So I do not recommend playing basketball uh, immediately after spending four days in New Orleans. But a lot of fun being there on location. The events themselves, not all that great. Um, you know, rookie sophomore was cool. The all-star game uh, was about what you'd expect in terms of there being zero defense and a ton of scoring. But I think Saturday night was a little bit of a disappointment overall to most people, uh, unless you're a huge Glenn Robinson the third fan. Not a lot going on on Saturday night. Kristaps Porzingis won the skills competition. Uh, then Eric Gordon, excuse me, won the three-point contest. And then, of course, Robinson took the dunk contest. But I think people especially expected more out of Aaron Gordon specifically in the dunk contest. Yeah, most definitely. It seemed like he's been dealing with some ankle issues. Hops weren't quite there. I made the joke on Twitter that didn't really go over that well. Like, he switched to power forward, and he just doesn't have the same hops that small forwards do. Thanks for laughing, Nick. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's funny. We're kind of back to what All-Star Weekend was in years past. It's funny that one good slam dunk competition, one and a half, if you will, with uh, Levine winning it two years ago, what it'll do to the expectations of an all-star weekend. So it only takes, you know, a couple good dunks to change uh, the, the entire expectations. But really, what happened this past weekend is exactly what's happened in years right. past. So nobody should be that surprised. Although, you know, everybody was disappointed. Thank you, DeMarcus Cousins and the Sacramento Kings for turning that around because this whole week would be filled with what can we do to change the All-Star Weekend? Mm -hmm. We were saying that for maybe 15 to 16 to 17 minutes, and then everybody kind of forgot about All-Star Weekend. But right. you there, you were there for the first time. You got to experience. You've watched it your entire life. What do you think could be manipulated and changed for future years to enhance the entertainment aspect of every activity? I don't think it's all that broken. I mean, it was disappointing relative to last year, relative to some of the great dunk contests of the past. Um, but but at the same time, I mean, you know, we're we're a couple of missed dunks away from this being a really good dunk contest. And and it's kind of hard when you don't necessarily have the big name recognition. You know, not having Levine there uh, was a big hit to the contest, and and just not having you know big time NBA stars participating year in and year out. Uh, is somewhat of an issue, but the dunk contest has still found ways to to become really relevant without that. So, you know, if Aaron Gordon, you know, doesn't have a, a bad ankle and is able to complete that under the legs dunk, you know, that's that's easily the dunk of the night right there. And there's probably a different narrative. So, a as always, you know, we're always a half inch, you know, on either side of the rim away from it being a really cool dunk. To okay, let's get this going. You missed three in a row. Now Glenn Robinson can kind of just trot to the title in, in the final round. Um, but as far as the dunk contest, I'd like there to, to be a bigger field, first of all. I'd like the mm. guys – I'd like there to be some more of a, a, more regulations as far as what you can do for props. It, it seems like a lot of dunks are too reliant on props, whether it's jumping over something or jumping over someone or having certain pop culture figures recording your dunk on Snapchat as you jump over them. Uh, I just think as someone who – you know, grew up watching these dunk contests when there were fewer props. I think it was, it's a lot more fun to see a dunk that you could conceivably see in a game. You know, you're not going to see any of these type of dunks in games, but you're also not going to see a player jump over four kids in a game either. So like, I think it's a little bit cooler to me when you do something like what Vince Carter with the 360 windmill, like that's a dunk that, you know, there was no gimmick he just went up, did the dunk, you know, and, and I think that that adds a little bit of an element to it 
for me. Like I, I think we, I'm a little bit over jumping over objects, which says a lot because it's still ridiculously impressive what these guys are doing. So here's the thing about dunk contests. At some point, we're going to reach, you know, uh, a benchmark where everything has kind of been done before. Because physically, there's only so many bodily right. movements you can make, right? And so I think we've kind of started to hit that wall. But now what it takes is just to make your dunk on the first try. Like if any four of those guys would have made their dunks on the first try every single time, they would have won. Right. And, and like DeAndre could have done it, Aaron Gordon, anybody, Derek Jones, Derek Jones, especially like he, he should have probably won. And some of the still shots of, of where were just absolutely insane. I hope he mm-hmm. participates a couple more times because that dude is yeah. lanky and, and he, he was, <laughs> it's just amazing how high up in the air his body was contorting. Right. Um, but my point essentially is you got to bring in the gimmicks we live in a new age. It's not just, Oh wow. Dunk contest. Let's see what they can do. It's, you know, how creative are they? Um, you know, what kind of things can they put into this besides just the, the bodily movements? Because we've kind of have seen everything we can possibly see Mm -hmm. before, unless somebody wants to go attempt, you know, like a front flip dunk or something like that, which just seems humanly impossible. The dunk contest has advanced. I mean, that's, that is one thing to put this in perspective of like, we're not all that impressed by Derek Jones going off the side of the backboard between his legs. Like that's a, that's an unbelievable dunk. And that dunk in the context of every contest ever would have been the best, you know, that would have been the best dunk in the Vince Carter dunk contest. Like, right. Looking back, the, the Vince Carter contest was by far the most memorable, I think, to most people, especially, you know, people our age, maybe into their 30s. Um, you know, that's the one that, that really set the tone. I think for, for a little bit older generation, it's probably, you know, the MJ Dominique battles. Um, but like, it's hard to argue that the show Levine and Gordon put on last year was not better than what Vince Carter did. Like, you know, Vince Carter went between the legs, which at the time, you know, off the bounce was like unbelievable crazy. Like, what does that dunk get you now? Like a 40? Right. And and the thing about Aaron Gordon's dunk is when you had the mascot there twirling around, there's timing involved. It's not just ready, set, here I go. It's okay, time it out. And then I got to do this right. amazing dunk. I think he set the standard a little too high last year. Yeah. And I actually talked to a couple of guys from magic.com on, on Saturday night and they were, they were pretty demoralized because they said like <laughs> this was, you know, they work for the team. So in some ways, you know, they, they're kind of, you know, obligated to they, they have content for the rest of the year if Aaron Gordon wins this. Well, and that. in a down season, um, you know, they, they need this content. Yeah, they can replay that. that. I mean, it's it's just a lot of stuff yeah. that, like, the, the course of your season changes um, when you have that content to use versus not even only having two right. failed dunks to use. Well, they were basically like, we knew our season is over. You know, our content strategy basically has been, all right, we're pouring everything into this. Yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he wins and people, and people see this as a victory for the franchise. They said they had put in, you know, weeks of PR work of – you know, promos, digital, you know, big posters they were handing out. So they were just like, this is just kind of another slap in the face and what's <laughs> been a really rough season. Uh, but but they said, you know, last year they're like, yeah, before the dunk contest, you know, we're in the gym. He was practicing a ton and he was nervous. He couldn't get anything to go down. He basically went into the dunk contest hoping he could nail all these dunks and then he wow. did. And they said this year he was killing it. Like he, he was confident. He was putting down all these dunks that he had with ease. He had six dunks ready to go. And it obviously just didn't work out. He's, he just kind of ran out of gas, it seemed like, in his legs. So it was it was just interesting to kind of get a behind-the-scenes look at, at how the narratives, I guess, had flipped from year to year with him. The drone dunk, you know, had some 
innate complications because if you don't nail it the first time, you got to have these little tech guys yes, run out, put that, the basketball too in. Too long of a setup process. Y- you reveal that he wasn't actually controlling the drone to begin with, which was was yeah. pretty obvious. And neither was the mascot. <laughs> right. Neither was the mascot. Uh, and go back and watch the tape of Gordon handing over the controller to the mascot. Like yeah. there was no effort made to like like the, the mascot ma- doesn't even have fingers. Like, right. It was pretty clear that that was not going to happen. <laughs> like I just keep the mascots out of this. All right. Yeah. And then you know Gordon was like telling the guys to move the drone over and it was they got their sponsor to ship in shout yeah, out to shout intel out to, yeah, intel great great marketing um but yeah i mean we we learn we learn from it and move on it was disappointing but you know we can just hope that the, the big thing here is those guys just need to nail it on the first try and what i love so much about your proposed idea of adding more people if you have eight guys competing, you're going to have at least three that are going to nail right. it on the first try, maybe each exactly. round. So. Well, and, and it, one, it goes too quickly right now, even though they have like 80 commercial breaks during it. You know, two guys are eliminated right away, and all of a sudden you're in the finals. Like, it just doesn't seem like there's enough hype to get to the final, you know, yeah. to the little dunk off at the end. Six guys, eight guys. When you add more dunks total, it reduces, I think, the overall expectation. Like, you don't have to unleash this insane dunk every time when you have you have potentially like you know six or eight dunks that you need to do to win this thing so you can start out and do you know uh, a three a, you know a 360 windmill you know yeah. something that we've seen in the past and you're not going to necessarily be penalized for it because it's your first dunk in round one i think now there's too much pressure on these guys to pull off really really difficult dunks in round one and then we see what you know what happened this past weekend is that they go a little bit too difficult and it ends up kind of blowing up in their face. And the sad thing is, after Aaron Gordon's first dunk, we knew no matter what he did in the second one, he wasn't going to make it over to the next round. Mm-hmm. And so that 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 kind of sucks. So I, I agree. Maybe you know let's right. let's move the degree of difficulty like just have more rounds yeah, and, and a little more and let them get warmed up. And then if you miss a dunk or it takes you three tries, you're not going to be crushed because ideally we would have had Aaron Gordon in the final. Right. No, yeah, it's like as much as as deserving as Glenn Robinson was of this title, like everybody wanted to see Aaron Gordon. And it's like you don't he had, you know, like I said, four more dunks that he was prepared to do. And we didn't get to see him because you, you're like forced to choose, you know, do I use the one now that I would was hoping to use for the final because now I need it to get to the second round. Yeah. Like I just it. I don't know. It's it's a it's a poorly organized event, but it's also really hard to find a way that says, yes, this will work because you can't guarantee you know that these guys are gonna are gonna make these dunks. So I don't know. It's it's tough. I like like I said, I'd like to see a bigger field. I'd like to see more big names participate. Um, actually, on Friday, media availability. That was kind of my main goal was to just talk to some of these veterans, guys who had participated before, and find out one would they ever do it again. Two, if not, why. So I talked to Giannis. I talked to DeRozan, uh, and I talked to Paul George. And you know each of them have been in it in the past. Talked to John Wall as well. Wall, George, DeRozan, all firm no, would never do it again. Well, they weren't they involved with that team, the team aspect side of it. Wall like, won it one year, right? Is, people forget that. Yeah. That was the weirdest one where they were just dunking in lines. Like that was horrible. <laughs> uh, decent. I, I kind of liked the concept at first, but it was it just didn't work out. Like no. Damian Lillard, I think, was in that. Like yeah, it was weird, odd. It was like a point guard was. dunk contest for whatever yeah. reason. PG might have been in it that year as well. Uh, DeRozan was in it a while back. Uh, and then Giannis was in 2014. Giannis sounded like he would like to do it again, almost as like a redeeming himself thing because he was so bad in 2014. So here's here's my propose. I think add more people, add eight, and here's what you do. You say the winner gets to donate $100,000 to the to the charity of their choice, and then you start to have some big na- names come out. And if they fail, 
like so here's the big thing lebron never wants to do it because if he fails he's a laughing stock for the rest right. of his career his rest of his life when well, in reality he's one of the best basketball players of all time but yeah. he gets that little knock instead if if they don't if it doesn't work and doesn't pan out it's like well i was trying to you know win money for charity how dare you make fun of me yeah yeah i mean lebron is separate like he would be people would give it to lebron for years because of that but i, I actually asked that exact question to paul george i was like you know, obviously you've had the injury, you're a little bit older now, but is the reason you wouldn't want to do it because now you're an all-star and there's a lot to lose and not that much to gain? And he, mm-hmm. he was like, no, no, not at all. He's like, I just don't have the bounce anymore. It was more of like, I know I wouldn't win. And I, I was like, I followed up. I forget exactly what I said, but I was like, wait, so it's not a reputation thing at all? And he was like, oh, no, no, people don't worry about that, which I thought was interesting because yeah. I've always thought that for LeBron too. It's like he has nothing to gain. Unless he puts on this crazy show, but he has a lot to lose if he goes out and you know doesn't complete a dunk. That's an interesting side of, of NBA basketball that we probably don't get to dig in too much, but guys see day in, day out in practice is you only need so much hops to grab a rebound, but when we're talking about dunking and stuff, you might actually be you might actually hit your prime at twenty three, twenty four. Yeah. And that we you know, we don't really see that when you're playing basket like the actual game, but in, in practice, maybe these guys all know it that in terms of dunking years, a lot of the players we yeah. want to see in it are over the hill. Well that's what DeRozan told me too, is that he said I he's like, I don't think I could do half the dunks that I did in that contest, what, four or five years ago? He's like, There's just no way I, he's like I hmm. you know, obviously everyone knows he's still a crazy athlete, but he he's like, Yeah, I just can't do him anymore. There you go. That's so that's part of it. Awesome. You, you kind of miss your window, I guess. You know, I mean, I still think LeBron would be okay. I still think DeRozan would be okay if he participated. Uh, but I mean, it shows those guys know when they can really leap. So the All Star Game itself, super like disappointing. It. This is one of the first years where I actually sat down and watched it from start to finish. And my girlfriend was watching alongside, caught it, and she's like, "Is it, what is this? Because I, I think she happened to catch when Curry literally laid down on the court. Yeah, so that, that was, was an interesting much. time for just an average fan to come in and, and try to get involved and then quickly just turned away and right. didn't care. Yeah, this one, there might have been less defense in this All-Star game than any other All-Star game. And that's saying a lot because last year set a pretty crazy standard. Um, but, I mean, this is this is what I expected. This is... Kind of, I mean, this is what the fans want to see. I mean, DeRozan was doing his usual mid-range stuff. Isaiah Thomas basically just got layups and threes. Uh, but, I mean, you had you had some dunks in this game that would have rivaled some of the stuff we saw on Saturday night, especially from LeBron and Giannis. Uh, and and even, even Davis and, and Westbrook had a few. Uh, but, I mean, like, ideally you could get these guys to go hard. Like, it would be really, really cool if you could somehow – you know, make this, like, a real game where you have real rotations and, like, you got these guys, like, d up as hard as you can. But... There's just too much on the line. I mean, LeBron played 19 minutes in this game. Kyrie played 22 minutes. Melo played 19 minutes. Like, that's not coming. That was not the decision of Brad Stevens. That was the Cavaliers saying, here's how many minutes LeBron's playing tonight. He's not playing at all in the fourth quarter, which he didn't. Um, And then in the West, you had, you know, nobody really realized it until, you know, mid-third quarter, uh, the reporter who was sitting next to me turned to me and said, look how many minutes DeMarcus Cousins has played. And he'd played two minutes, and I hadn't even realized it, you know, because guys are, it's basically like hockey substitutions. Players are just committing fouls to sub in right. uh, other guys every other minute. And, yeah, Cousins didn't play. I mean, he came in in the, in the first quarter, played like three possessions, left, never came back. And there was kind of a division among the reporters that I was with after the game, some saying, oh, you know, the Kings just don't want to, you know, they don't want to risk injuring him for their own purposes. And then other people were like, well, I don't know. This is a little weird. You know, two minutes. It's not like he played 10 minutes. Like, two minutes and not playing at all in the second half. Like, they might have something in the works. An hour later, then we have the trade. Well, you know what? 
they there were a lot of cuts over the weekend at all these different festivities to Anthony Davis. He was on his phone the whole weekend. And I know all these guys were on their phone, especially yeah. Paul Pierce doing double phone. But they showed Davis, and he was always checking his phone every time they looked at him. And I'm kind of wondering if they were letting him know, like, hey, you know, I guess what? Know, maybe. I mean, I think all every time you saw these guys are they're on their phones. Like, I mean, it was if they're not in the game, basically they were checking you know, their phone. Everybody's taking like even the players themselves are taking Snapchats. They're trying to kind of survey yeah. the whole thing. Um, but it wasn't like a taking a picture, like looking at it. Like he was yeah. deep. I I don't know. I might be reading too much into it. and It doesn't really matter. I but think they might have had some extracurricular things going on. You know, maybe setting some things up. Yeah, and, and you you think that he would be the grand marshal for the after parties too for the players. Right. So yeah. I get it. I'm probably reading too much into it. I just thought that every single cutaway they had of him this weekend, he was just intently looking yeah. at his phone. So it could have been for a myriad of reasons. Okay, so a few personal highlights from this weekend. Yes, please. Two chains. Two chains, your was all favorite over the place. He, uh, I follow him on Snapchat, of course. You he do more than just follow him has, on Snapchat. No, I know, but he hasn't followed me back yet. Okay, he probably hasn't gotten the notification. It's been you know like a year, but so he was in New Orleans all weekend. He performed with the Hot Boys at, at LeBron's party, I think on Friday night, uh, maybe Saturday. Um, right before the game on Sunday, you know, I'm looking at his Snapchat, trying to figure out where he is, where can I maybe run into him. He posts a photo of him rolling and smoking five blunts, and then like ten minutes later, he's at his seat in the arena. And I was like, "Oh my god, like, this this guy must be like out of control." Um, but he was sitting first row, uh, not courtside, but first row of like actual seating. Um, so that was cool to see him. Didn't end, actually end up talking to him. Uh, Jay Z was there. Beyonce was there. Their kid, Blue Ivy, Blue Ivy was there. Nick Cannon, Nick Cannon, Michael B. Jordan. Um, and- Anthony Anderson, Anderson, who always who's just like a staple at these events now. Shout out Kangaroo reason. Jack. Yeah, I saw Reggie Evans. Uh, okay, Sunday actually. I was Mardi Gras stuff was going on. I was just walking downtown. He it was like eighty degrees and sunny, and he was in a full velvet tracksuit, just posted <laughs> up, just just like anyone. If else I could pick any veteran player to be in a tracksuit, it, yeah. it it would be Reggie Evans. Yes. The hotel where all the players were, or some of the players were staying had a giant sign outside that said, your vehicle will be searched by canine units. Really? <laughs> so, like, not that any players, you know, are trying to do anything. But, you know, I, I think they, they tried to make it very clear that, you know, two chains, you're not welcome here. Um, <laughs> other than that, though, didn't I didn't see, like, any, like, celebrities that made me, like, whoa, I can't believe this guy's here. I, I did run into Spike Lee in a footlocker. But I felt bad because, like, people were literally just going up to him and, like, sneak attacking him with photos. Yeah. And I, I was, of course, like, oh, I should get a picture with him. And after I saw that, I was like, I don't want to be one of these guys. I'm so not surprised that you saw him at a Foot Locker. He seems like he's constantly he gearing something. up. He was just in yeah. line buying something. He's yeah. constantly gearing up. That guy has so much gear. That would be cool, though, to, like, have, you know, basically an unlimited bankroll and to see these, like, $300 pair of Jordans. Like, oh, well. All right, yeah. I'll just take these. I think I'll wear them for one of yeah, the, right. the 41 games at Madison Square Garden. Uh, so here's a question I have for you. So you mentioned Rez- Reggie Evans. I'm th- pretty sure Dwayne Wade was there. Yep. How awkward is it to, to like be on the cusp of being an all-star? Like, Did he just like book a hotel and just ended up going anyway, thinking he would <laughs> yeah, have made I don't know it? He was hoping like, somebody would drop out. Oh, right. No, he was, yeah, he was there a couple nights. I think he, he ended up going back to Miami uh, shortly thereafter. But yeah, he was to saying, Miami or, or Chicago? I think Miami. He okay. At least like as of yesterday, he was on a boat in what looked like Miami. Oh, probably. Like they, they have a full week off. Yeah, it makes yeah, sense. I mean, he's he's got time. I'm assuming he still has a house down there. 
Um, but yeah, he was sitting next to Chance the Rapper courtside for Saturday night's events. That was kind of cool. They showed him on the Jumbotron like 80 times. Guy Fieri was a huge part of this Massive weekend. hit this weekend. Yeah. Uh, no Kevin Hart at all. He was nowhere to be seen. So I feel like Guy, like between Guy Fieri and DJ Khaled, they kind of assumed the role of Kevin Hart. You know what? Kevin Hart right now is filming a movie in Philadelphia, and I'm wondering if he just had uh, just it, he was booked he up. He didn't have like a new enough show or movie to promote that he like didn't feel the need to come here. It's interesting. Yeah. He's been going to more games in Philadelphia recently, yeah. jumping on the bandwagon, and he said it's because he's filming a movie in Philadelphia. Maybe mm-hmm. the recording times just got too too built up. But you know he wants to go. Like even if he doesn't have anything to to promote, he's still you know, he's a staple right. almost. The NBA would you would think would even want him there. Mm-hmm. Any other good names we want to name drop here? I'm trying to think. Oh, on Saturday after the All Star stuff, so there's like a right outside the arena and the the arena is based, is connected by like a footbridge to the Superdome. So some of the events were at the Superdome, that's where practice was, that's where the D League All Star game was. Um, it seemed really odd to me because the actual All-Star game itself was back at Smoothie King, but they yes. had a lot of the other events that didn't have nearly as many you know, attendees mm-hmm. at the Superdome. I don't. Was there any rhyme or reason to that at all? I'm assuming it's because they were... You know, they held all-star practice at the Superdome because they were probably setting things up at Smoothie King and they couldn't use the court. That would okay. be my guess because they it were just, setting things up for it Saturday It just seems night. like have the all-star game at Superdome. That makes the most sense to me, but whatever. I think it's almost too big. I mean, they had it all. They had it curtained off. I mean, the Superdome is – I cannot emphasize how, like, massive Yeah, but they had, inside. like, the celebrity game there. and was They it did the... have it at the Cowboys Stadium, didn't they? The all-star game, like, six years ago? Oh, yeah. No, you, you so can have it. I mean, it could be done, yeah. I, I mean, it, it also wasn't, like – it didn't seem like it was all that full. Like Sunday, it was pretty packed, but it mm-hmm. wasn't until like mid first half that it really filled up. It definitely wasn't packed for All Star Saturday until the end. Sure, definitely not on Friday. Uh, but on Saturday after I left, um, there's a media bus that takes takes you from the arena downtown. There's a nice media reception each night. Um, so I was waiting for that, and there's just a line of like blacked out SUVs, limos, buses, you know, for the players and for the talent, and out comes Andre Kirilenko, and it was his birthday that night. What? <laughs> so Andre Kirilenko, and like you can't, I mean, it's not like he was wearing a Kirilenko jersey, but he's not a guy you mistake. He still has the exact same hair. He has those like ridiculous, like almost caricature like cheekbones. Yes. He gets into this limo, and like two minutes later, out comes Kevin Garnett, gets into the same limo. What? Oh, they played back in the day in Minnesota, right? Um, on the two, on the T Wolves together. I don't think so. No, Brooklyn, am I wrong? No, I think maybe. Briefly. Oh, Brooklyn? I don't know if Kirilenko ever suited up. But either way, they somehow know each other. And, yeah, someone, like, I'm, I'm kind of, like, gaping in awe of this. And someone leans over to me and is like, you know, it's AK's birthday tonight, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, man, here we go. Was it 2 Chains? Is that who leaned over and told you? No, God. Oh, okay. Uh, no, it was not 2 Chains. Yeah, so rode an elevator with Paul Pierce. Uh, that was the other, you know, big moment. This was after he had whipped out the two phones. So, like, at that point, I was kind of on high alert to see what that was about. Nice. Uh, but Did you that, ask? Nothing, no, I wish I would have. I talked to his kid a little bit. He was he was complaining about something. And I was like, what's up, little man? All right. And uh, that was that. So, nothing too crazy. Um, Three-point contest. I thought it was fine. I mean, like, Eric Gordon was getting booed like crazy. Yeah. Which was shocking. I mean, I guess I kind of get it, but, like, it's the All-Star game. You really that it's Eric Gordon, you know. It's not like they were. I mean, it wasn't like Durant coming back to OKC no. or anything, but like people were booing him as he was shooting. I was. It was kind of odd, especially because the Pelicans like didn't have someone in the contest. 
Yeah, it's just kind of what you do. And especially in light of, you know, all the animosity between Katie and the Thunder, they just kind of assumed uh, we, we probably can and should do this too. And probably wasn't an amicable split either. Um, if I remember correctly, like Gordon probably could have came back to New Orleans if you really yeah. wanted to. Well, but he, he signed decided an offer sheet with Phoenix and wanted to go there. And right. Then he's like, D- please don't match this. Like, yes. No, we're gonna match yeah. This. So that's why you boo. Like not like if a player just leaves fine, but when he overtly says, I do not want to go back to new Orleans, then of course you boo. Uh, Kirilenko. Yeah. Like you said, Kirilenko, um, it was with the nets that him and KG spent time. But here's the thing. Like that guy wanted out of the league so badly. Why is he coming back? Did he ever even play for the nets? Do you have his page up? Um, didn't he like, he got traded and then basically like retired immediately. Yeah, I'll take a look here. Uh, yeah, it looks like we got 45 games and okay. seven games in 2014-15. So combined 52 games, definitely played. All right, James is now with us. Let's talk some DeMarcus Cousins trade. This one broke on Sunday night, basically right after the All-Star game. It was confirmed shortly thereafter. I think it officially became uh, officially became official on Monday. So the Kings are sending DeMarcus Cousins for, excuse me, DeMarcus Cousins and Omri Caspi for Langston Galloway, Tyreek Evans, Buddy Heald, their 2017 first-round pick, which is top three protected, and their 2017 second-round pick. Uh, I think the initial reaction, to put it lightly, would be that Sacramento completely botched this. Um, But, you know, in the 48 hours or so now since since this all went down, you know, you've started to hear maybe the Kings didn't really have that many better options. Uh, I guess the the question that I have for you guys initially is how bad of a deal is this for the Sacramento Kings, all things considered? I mean, I think it's one of the most complicated trades to fully analyze because there are so many things that lead up to the actual trade that make it a bad trade. But like, if you just look at it in the very moment, like maybe you could argue that the the basketball people in the room like did the best they could here, given the kind of weird circumstances around ownership and. Uh, the way that you know they maybe didn't pounce. If if this was going to be something where you know we don't trust this guy enough to give him the the two hundred ten million dollar deal, uh, they should have come to this this conclusion sooner than they did, and they should have acted when the offers were much uh, better a couple years ago, even like a year ago, or even this past like a month ago. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. So I mean, there, there were plenty of times they could have really cashed in this big chip even though there were plenty of concerns around the league about whether or not you can build a winner around him and they ended up kind of waiting until maybe the worst time possible and this is i i agree this might be the best offer they could have gotten at this specific juncture well so here's two things like even if that's the best offer why don't you just wait until the deadline like closer to the deadline because that's when teams really start to feel pressured and so maybe you know they'll take off the top three or the top three protected pick right or maybe they'll throw in one extra piece or one extra pick on top of that why would you make this trade now instead of in the off season 
the Pelicans would still get Cousins for a full year, and the Pelicans' draft pick would be a lot more valuable because they're not going to be as good with Cousins on it. Pelicans still feel like they get to try out Cousins for a year to make a decision if they actually want to sign him long-term. So I totally understand that this is probably the best deal that was had Sunday night, but there's a high likelihood that they could have gotten a better offer, especially if they let everybody everybody in the league know that he was available by closer to Thursday, 3 p.m., Eastern well, time. instead, they let everyone in the league and DeMarcus Cousins know that he wasn't available. And right. And he finds out via his, you know, personal PR guru while he's doing his all-star post-game conference. I mean, it, it, it was handled horribly. And that's, that's the other subplot of this is no one, no one respected the, the Sacramento front office, the Sacramento organization. But if anybody had any ounce of respect for them or, you know, trust in them, that's gone. You know, like you can say we're rebuilding without Cousins. And that's, you know, maybe the one way that you can say this was positive for Sacramento. If they wanted to move on and didn't want to pay Cousins a Supermax in two years, then fine. Like, that's that's good. You got something for him. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't pay a guy you don't want to pay, a guy who you don't think you can really build around. But who are you going to build around now? Like, what free agent is going to go, yeah, I want to go play for, you know, these guys who basically lied to DeMarcus Cousins for two years, and now he's down, like, $80 million. So, you know, it, they, they didn't help themselves all that much. I think this looks like a really lopsided deal, but to Vivek Ranadive, he sees Buddy Heald as in like the same light that everyone else sees Brandon Ingram as like this super high upside, crazy, you know, young asset. Well, he just overvalues young, unproven shooting guards. Stauskas, Jimmer Ferdette, Ben McLemore. I mean, it's like it's a trend with, with, with yeah. him. Right. So, you know, that's that's the crown jewel of this trade. And it's, you know, it's a misnomer to call him a crown jewel. But for the Kings, they think they got their guy. Do what? they? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, he's he's older. Buddy Heald is older than Zach Levine. He's older than Embiid. He's older than Giannis. He's, he's older than Nick Stauskas even. Like, it's just, it's an, uh, excuse me, Ben McLemore, not Nick Stauskas. It's just an absurd, uh, absurd return. And one that, you know, as it's coming across and, you know, people are reading it on their phone. It's almost like this can't be right. Like you're like waiting for Mark Stein to like tweet, oh yeah, and it's also their 2019 pick. And it's like, oh yeah, they're also giving them this. Like it was just like, this is the package and they're going to basically end up waving Langston Galloway. And I would imagine Tyreek Evans will at least inquire about a buyout. Well, one of the aspects of uh, just dysfunctionality that led to this offer being so low and perhaps like not as many teams being involved when they were scrambling to get something done is that you have multiple teams that have been in talks with them about cousins before and then they you know it's like it's like the bad owner in like a fantasy league where you agree to something and then they like once you agree to it then they're like oh actually i don't know i don't, don't really want to do that anymore and like you just had probably a lot of teams where they like got a text or a call and they were like oh here we go again with this cousins crap like i don't really cried wolf basically yeah yeah like i don't really have time like you, sometimes you just don't want to if you've been down a path with something like something like this in a negotiation you, you're just out of energy to kind of go back down that path right. when you've been sort of burned there before and then i also think that the aspect of like if if the people making basketball decisions have always wanted to kind of move on from Cousins, or at least for maybe the past year or two, and then like Vivek gives them this green light that may have contributed to why they didn't wait until the end of the season or, or wait until Thursday. I mean that that's kind of speculation. Like that's you're the, worried that Vivek changes his mind, right? That's the only like that's the only 
thing that makes any sense as to why they they rushed this because they were just they, they'd rather get this package than give Cousins that deal. They handled this like he's hitting free agency this summer, right? Like they had to deal him by Thursday or that was it. Like, no, I think. I think James is onto something here when the impetus for making this trade is Vivek finally said, yes, yeah. we have to jump in there, get something done before he, has, he says no. Well, they, they wanted to do it. I mean, they, they would have had to have given him the extension this offseason. They could have just kept him on his current deal and played it through to the end of next year. Right. But it was, I mean, I mean you would, you would want to move him. Or extend him. I think you exactly. wouldn't want to. You don't want to walk, right? Like you don't want to go into that final year, and um, I mean, then your the trade value is lower. I mean, you're just, you just yeah. you want to move him probably in the off season, is, and and you'd want to move him maybe weekend of the draft or maybe even draft night once you know you know exactly what player yes. is going to be available at the pick that you're trading We've for. We've seen the blueprint for that too. Kevin Love. That's literally exactly what happened with Kevin Love. The Wolves were in the same situation and you know at the end of the 2013-14 season they didn't deal him at the deadline, waited until draft night when they had all the leverage and that's tough to compare because the LeBron situation was so unique but well, you know you end up flipping him for the number one pick. I wonder what the king's draft board even looks like right now like i mean have they even do they even have yes do they even know like what they're choosing from in this draft like i don't well that's the other thing that i I wrote up a an article for the site earlier they don't even control their own destiny like part of this is okay we're without demarcus cousins now we can tank you know like we have no we don't have to like have this obligation to win around demarcus he's gone now we can just tank and you know improve our draft pick well, the Sixers have swap rights, so even if Sacramento wins the lottery, the Sixers will just swap picks, and they'll get the number one pick. Sacramento mm-hmm. cannot pick number one in this draft, so it just doesn't make sense. Like you're you're looking at a pick that's probably in the six to eight range when it's all said and done, uh, and then you get the Pelicans pick, which, assuming that this works out, they're two and a half behind Denver right now. You would like to think that Davis and Boogie and Holiday would be enough to get you to the eight, even if it's not that pick is going to be number 13 or 14. So if you look at it that way, it's not the worst return. You know, if you really think Buddy Heald is the real deal, but I mean, it's not like you can take yeah. and get number two and number 13. You're going to end up with, like, number seven and number 13. Yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a decent haul, like, in, on draft day. Like, they're going to have two semi-exciting young players, but yeah. there's not going to be a sure thing. I mean, that their odds of landing, like, a true sure thing in this draft aren't right. all that high, and then you – also factor in the uh, the fact that they're giving their 2019 first rounder to Philly. I mean, that's that's going to be probably a top three pick. So uh, it's just hard to they, like. They need to really, really, really crush these two picks, and then they have to crush their pick next year, and then like. Well, that's an, if, that's essentially an oxymoron. The, right, the like, Sacramento Kings right, crushing like, a draft. What pick. evidence have they given us that? Like, but e- even if they like, picks. if they crush these two picks and then they crush their pick like next year, then they're like then where they're the T Wolves are like now. But this is like three years from now. They're yeah. where the T Wolves are like now. Like that's like the absolute best case scenario, and it's a highly unlikely yeah. one. You mentioned the Sixers. They're they're arguably the biggest winners. Yeah. And like, that's only somewhat of a joke. I mean, obviously the Pelicans come away winners, and we'll talk about that in a second. But So they have swap rights this year. The Kings tanking the rest of the way helps the Sixers. Like That just gives them like basically another ticket to win the lottery because this, the Kings are probably going to be a bottom five team by the end of the year. And that just means Philly now has their own pick. They have maybe that Lakers pick if it falls outside the top three. And then 
you know, they can swap with the Kings if they so choose. So you're basically looking at, you know, two shots at number one and then potentially two picks in the top five, depending on where that Lakers pick falls. And then, like you said, the 2019 pick, unprotected. How right. how do you make that deal? Well, let's not forget that. Not protect that. Well, and basically all that was was in order to create enough cap space yes. to get Kufos, I think Rondo, Rondo. and Bellinelli, which is right. insane. That was basically to dump. That was that was what they attached as like the sweetener to let mm-hmm. Philly take Nick Stauskas, who was on a rookie deal. Right. They, uh, they sent back an unprotected pick. So do you rank like the winners, like the the Sixers? first the pelicans second yes, yes. then uh losers like the bulls are losers because they don't get they don't have any yeah, chance right. at getting the king's pick right. this year and, and then that, uh, that actually is kind of an underrated subplot here is that had that king's pick fallen outside of the top 10 it would have gone to chicago it's like which was like ensures. before the trip like if they keep boogie throughout the yeah. whole season i mean that's like another small like thing semi that you can praise the kings for is like right. well at least they get their pick but true. like uh yeah, if they keep Boogie all season, there's like at least a 50% chance the Bulls finally get to cash in on that pick. So knowing all this, that the Sixers actually come out on top and all three of us agree, can we jump the gun and say that Sam Hinkie's process totally worked? It did, but like, did he also foresee... If, if, if Sam Hinkie could somehow prove that like in 2015 when he made that Stauskas trade in July that he knew that the Kings would be in this situation... No, like, he doesn't have to prove it. The fact that it was... a a possibility yeah. and that he made it a possibility totally well, this, all the credit goes to him this shows like how spineless the kings are when they make these deals that like there's no reason you should have that pick be unprotected if you're you're sending a pick four years out you can't you can't have it unprotected you cannot nobody should ever the kings or any other franchise should not be doing that unless you're in a situation you know maybe like cleveland or golden state where you like you just almost know for a fact even then good. even then it, yeah. it's still dumb well, look at how did how did the clippers end up or uh, the the Cavs, the Kyrie pick wasn't that the Clippers pick in the Baron Davis deal? Like the Clippers, yeah, with Mo them, Williams, yeah, with Mo Williams. Yeah. The Clippers sent them that unprotected first, thinking, oh well, we, we're getting Mo Williams, we'll be all right. Lo and behold, turns into the number one pick. They get right. Kyrie and Thompson in the top four. Um, so I mean, you just can't. It's just ridiculously bad foresight by Sacramento. And then even like, why is this pick protected? This twenty seventeen first, like, how do you let that happen too? Like. The, it's not going to matter because the Pelicans' pick's not going to be... It could matter. Game. If Cousins gets hurt, if like, Davis gets hurt, it yeah, could matter. But it's like, if, you, if you're the Kings, that's your one bit of leverage. You can be like, I mean, hey, that's... we're gifting you DeMarcus Cousins. You can at least give us this. And, like, the fact that the Pelicans were able to swindle that is just crazy. That's what, like, I mean, that's what DJ's saying with, like, Hinky is, like, Hinky would have never let that right, pick right. be unprotected. I mean, even though there's like, a, there's, like, a less than, probably a less than 2% chance that that comes into play. Yeah. But you still just... You even just use that when you're bargaining. It's like, oh, you really don't want Boogie because you don't want to give that that to us unprotected? Like, mm-hmm. well, what are the odds of that actually happening? And then they eventually cave and do it. Exactly, like, exactly. So there's just, there's just no hard-line bargaining when it comes to Sacramento. Knowing what we know now after this trade became official, like how many other teams do you think looked at each other and said, man, we could have beat that offer? Well, it's it's the thing in like a, you know, you, you have this sometimes in uh, in fantasy leagues where – a trade happens and you're just like, whoa, man, like I, I didn't know he was available for that price, but it still comes down to like, what did they value Buddy Heald at? And right. like, if, if they legitimately like Buddy Heald more than, you know, young player X yeah. on like five different teams, then like you couldn't maybe have beaten it or like you, you wouldn't have gone that far if they really liked Buddy Heald and valued him this highly. But like you, you would have to assume, uh, 
maybe two or three teams are at least yeah. really upset about this. I, I don't think too many teams are, though. I think there are a handful of teams right. that just wanted no part of Boogie I think at all. I look at it and say, if there was a team that really wanted him, they would have got him. They would have done what it takes to get well, him. Well, you wonder that, but it, it does sound like the Kings reached out to a few teams, and they have been over the past month or so, right, and handpicked the teams they want. So, like, Phoenix was one. Um, I think maybe right. even Detroit was one. And that maybe, you know, they just reached out to the teams. And the, and then if, if other teams knew that the, the Kings were asking for so little in return, they could have stepped in like james says where fantasy trades happen and you'd be like wow i I would have totally crushed that offer i definitely don't think i think it's like a fact like that the king or that the uh the celtics just did not want boogie yes and then i think and then i think it's also a fact that the lakers could have had boogie and they chose not to part with what it was going to take to get him so like that that's those are two teams with like the most young stuff to deal and we can already kind of rule them out. So I, I don't think there are too many teams where it's like, oh man, like I wish we'd known because like right. there aren't there just aren't that many more teams. I think the Suns are one though where it's like, would they in retrospect have given up, you know, a first round pick and like the Tyson Chandler contract and TJ Warren? Like that's a better return by far than what the. King but that got. goes back to what James is saying. It's possible that they valued Buddy Heald higher than T.J. Warren. Yes. They're the same age. No, that's for, I think the other teams around the league like, didn't realize well, how much they love Buddy Heald. Yeah, I mean, I, if I'm the if I'm the Suns, I wouldn't have gone down this path with them just because like this is that like you're trading for him in a situation where he's proven like completely toxic and moving him to the exact same yeah. situation where it's just like him and a bunch of right. young guys and like no coach or, or GM with enough clout yeah. to like rein him in. So like you're just asking to kind of set your franchise back five years, I feel like. The thing with that, that. Though, is you have Bledsoe, who he played with at Kentucky. Like, I think that's the one difference. And you have like, you have better young players. Yeah, they're bad. They're a bad team. And, but they have like at least assets that you'd think Cousins would rather play with Booker and Bledsoe than Collison and Lawson. But at the same time, like you said, I don't think he wants to go from a bad team to an even worse team. Washington is one, you know, we've always talked about Wall and Cousins wanting to play together. Like, in retrospect, would they have given up, like, Gortat and a pick and, I don't know, maybe Otto Porter? Or, you know, maybe either or? I mean, I think if you you assume that the... It's DeMarcus. If you assume that, like, Buddy Heald is being thought of highly in this trade, I feel like Porter absolutely would have to have been involved for to even get the conversation moving and I I don't know if I probably wouldn't have done that lost in all this is like how good Cousins is and I guess what it comes down to is like how much is his reputation and his you know you know bullheadedness I guess like how much is that to blame one for what the Kings got two for the lack of interest around the league like is that I mean a hundred percent hundred percent right like it's not that it's not that teams look at DeMarcus Cousins and say "Eh, we don't like his style of play we can't win with him it's He's not worth destroying or potentially destroying our locker. I think there are just a ton of coaches and GMs that have decided yeah. that he can't, like, you can't win, you can't get to where you're trying to go with him on the team. So let's talk about the Pelicans now. So I'm incredibly pessimistic that this team is actually going to push for the A seed. So, you know, I've been on my soapbox forever this season saying that Anthony Davis just isn't quite that transcendent talent. Where uh, he, he puts 50 it, points in the All-Star game. Well, yeah, today, so. exactly. Where he puts the team on his back and gets them to the playoffs. And you add another player that's essentially just like that, who basically plays the same position, who just quite hasn't been able to make the players around him that much better and get to the playoffs. 
when you combine two of those players, I'm not so certain that they're just magically going to start to be a better team overall. And if they don't make the playoffs this year, I'm not going to be surprised at all, especially considering that Etwan Moore and Solomon Hill are still going to play yeah. major minutes for this team. I'd, I'd pick the Nuggets for yeah, the 18th. I think, I mean, the two and a half games, it's not a ton, but there's not that many games left either. It's like in this Nuggets team. They in... only recently have, like, has Jokic been right. just this big yes. a, a like part of it. And, really and the Plumlee edition, like, is. That's an addition. That's yeah. a legitimate addition. Yeah, and so. that's the thing. They're not chasing this like, you know, bad team that just dumps somebody. Like the Nuggets should continue to be pretty good. And like, there's like you said, it's not like it's not like they acquired LeBron James and now you expect him to go right. like twenty and they five go, the break. Like out of the Pelicans, maybe like a, a slightly above five hundred team the rest well, of the way. Not even somebody like LeBron James, but like Mike Conley or Marcus Saul. That's a proven winner. Has has won in the past. Has been to the right. playoffs. And knows what it takes. Also, you're giving uh, Alvin Gentry really weird mix of players yes. that he has no experience trying to you know develop an offense around you don't know uh how the defensively or offensively that those two guys are going to mesh and you have like team that like the nuggets that go like eight or nine deep of like quality guys whereas the i mean pelicans right like after drew it's it's just kind of like yeah, like it's, whatever. It's literally like the, the, Tim Frazier. The fourth best guy on the Pelicans would be like the tenth best guy on the Nuggets. Right, exactly. That's the thing is you're you're putting everything in this front court duo, and you still have Drew Holiday, who's good, but they they have just like opened up some holes, I guess, by making this deal. And I mean, what what's the expectation? It, it it'll be interesting if they do get the eight, just because you have these two you know all NBA caliber players against the Warriors. Like they're not going to win. Maybe they could steal a game, maybe, mm-hmm. which is like. A pretty big if, uh, but it, it would at least be entertaining just to see like the number one game that I'm going to be watching. Whenever the Pelicans play next, I assume that's Thursday or Friday. It is Thursday, yeah. Like that's going to be must watch TV just to see how these guys match. Thursday against Houston. So yeah. take that for what it's worth. So here's the thing for me. I think next year they have to make the playoffs, right? And then if they don't, then the Pelicans will easily consider to move well, on from Demarcus Cousins. Oh, I mean, there's obviously going to have an, they're going to have an opportunity to add better pieces to fit around them, but I mean, we don't have a lot of time for the for these these guys to figure it out. They could trade him this summer, right, James? Yeah, yeah. I don't. To me, this is just kind of like a calculated all-in move. I don't think you back away from it. I mean, there's just there's not going to be enough time exactly. to really decide one way or the other that it's not going to work going into next year and you already don't have your pick like you're running out of time to develop a winning team around Anthony Davis before he's a free agent again and then like I mean you just you kind of got to see this through and just hope that you resign him I think this was just like this is this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to get a talent like this even though we at that price like this price yeah it's like we like yeah, it doesn't make the most sense on paper. Yeah, if we had our choice of other big, you know, big time players, like, we wouldn't. Odds are it's not going to work. But yeah, like, but odds like, are you're not going to win a title yeah, anyways. Right, so it's like, like odds are we were going to finish, yeah. you know, worse or you know the same as we would have with Cousins. And now you at least like the thing is you didn't give up enough where you worry about like buyer's regret or buyer's no. remorse. Like no, and worst you worst case scenario you just flip him at the deadline next year and somebody gets boogie for thirty games, some contender. Like that's a crazy tantalizing possibility. And you have a guy that's in the same age range as Drew and Davis, so you're not you're not like trying to add 
some lottery pick and hope that that's like the magic thing. Yeah, I the mean, the best case is it works out and Boogie wants to sign with you long term, and I don't think they could off, they wouldn't be able to offer him the supermax, right? No, that so that went away with the trade. Cheaper. So the Kings, if you want to say it, they basically screwed Boogie Cousins out of seventy five more million yeah. dollars, especially yeah. considering that he was out front saying I'm gonna sign that supermax, which I feel is probably makes some of the people there feel pretty happy about themselves totally yeah it's very easy to see boogie signing that and then like a half season later demanding a trade you know what would what would stop that at that well he he well he gets that they would have gotten that free year where they can't trade him yeah um but then after that yeah i mean i'd so one of the benefits of New Orleans specifically targeting somebody like DeMarcus Cousins, he's proven that he can play in small market teams over the course of his career. New Orleans surprisingly actually has the worst like fiscal market. Uh, Forbes recently came out with the valuations for each organization. New Orleans is last. I think they have the worst TV structure deal in the league. Uh, it's not easy to get free agents to come to New Orleans. You think of New Orleans, and you think it's probably bigger than it actually is, but it has arguably one of the smallest fan bases actually behind Oklahoma City. Um, so targeting somebody like Cousins works well because you know he likes or is tolerant of playing in small markets. So in terms of them targeting DeMarcus Cousins-level players that have to decide whether or not they want to come back to New Orleans, I think they did a good job in that regard. Well, at least you're giving him like this test run. You know, right. it's, it's easier than going going to someone in a free agent meeting and saying, like, here's how it would be if you were here. Like here, like we said, it might not work out. Chances are it probably won't work out. But if it does, then, you know, you, you kind of – you have this leg up on other teams if, who who would be pursuing him. If I was a GM and you told me I had to have DeMarcus Cousins on my team, I'd prefer it to be in a large market than a small market just because I think that in the small market it allows him to really be given a free pass by the media yes. and like if if you put a guy like that in like Chicago or New York uh, like he just he can do whatever he wants. Like people are still going to write a bunch of terrible stuff about him, right. and they're not going to care. So like I think that's better for like keeping a guy like that in check. But I agree. Like there was no way they were adding an all star caliber player, like even like a fringe all star caliber player, without it somehow coming through the draft. And with Anthony Davis, it's just really hard to pick high enough. I mean, yeah. you're going to be in, like, the late lottery. You're kind of stuck in that terrible range. Right. They were in a really, really tough spot where they were – they have this player who's good enough to keep you out of the basement but not good enough to actually, like, carry a crap roster to the playoffs every year. Do you think Boogie will respect Davis enough? I, this, he's by far the best player he's ever played with. I don't know that he's ever had a teammate that he looked at and said, this guy's as good as me, this guy's as talented as me. Like, with Davis – you have that and like i think that could help curb some of the the tantrums and you know the practice issues that you've heard about with with cousins well that's that's the best part of this whole trade right we always wondered is it the kings or is it the, is it the is it cousins and now we get to find out now would you pick alvin gentry to man the ship maybe not yeah. but at least we do get to find out cousins in somewhat of a normal situation and you know get ready cousins if it's you you know here comes the here comes the fire uh, but i do think that he's going to you know be on his best behavior if that's an okay so phrase too. to use and he's really going to put his best foot forward and he's at a time in his career where you know he's had all these individual accolades he wants to try to make the playoffs and make a deep run into the playoffs and i think davis is probably in in that realm as well even though he's been in the right. league not as not as long as Cousins has. I think both of these guys, have, like no one's debating the place in the league of Davis and Cousins. Like they're elite players, they're perennial all stars at this point. 
and you know they fought they fought against the reputation of you know they're not winners they're playing they're playing in bad markets they're bad they're on bad teams like they're kind of both in the same situation like ideally you'd think they could kind of look at each other and say like all right we now we finally have this in place like let's let's start winning I don't see that being a situation where they're like going to be battling for like who's the number one and guy. Th- and then they go to the same spot on the court and they're like, whoops, yeah. this isn't well, going to work. Yeah, that, that's the thing. But you got Solomon Hill to space the floor. So, What do you think, James, about how like just X's and O's, this is actually going to work out on the court? It's, it's nice that they both shoot threes, but it's kind of two guys that have been somewhat backed into a corner to shoot threes and maybe it hasn't come naturally as it has for – you know, like your Ryan Anderson types well, or whatnot. Cousins has made like six more threes on the year than he <laughs> Yeah, but I, I mean, he's shooting a lot and attempting a lot, and he basically has the green light because who would you rather have shooting those threes? Ben McElmore? No. I think it's just a really, really hard uh, combo of players to try to work in if you're the offensive uh, guru on the team just because neither guy is a willing roller. And uh, I mean, they're really, it's really hard to find a, a, a willing roller in, in today's NBA, but like they both are just, they want to catch it from like 15, 18 feet and face up. And yep. that just, you're good. I think it's going to look a lot like, uh, like Oklahoma City with like Westbrook and Durant where they're kind of taking turns. I just don't, it's going to be really, you need so much buy in to, to get those guys. Cause if you, if you set something up where Drew Holiday's, uh, you know, getting a getting a, a screen from one of those two, and the other one is set up on the the weak side. Like, I mean, that's that's going to be an unstoppable play most times. But I, I just I don't know if they're going to be willing to to do that all that often. Another question with this deal: How does it affect? the landscape of, of other trades as the Thursday deadline approaches because I see it as if you're if you were in the market for a player like Andre Drummond or even you know Butler Paul George any number of star to superstar players that have been mentioned you can kind of say like okay if this is the market for Boogie then you know maybe we don't have to give up you know these type of assets do you see that being the case or is this more of like an isolated incident where other teams say okay well this is just the Kings we can't actually expect this to be the real standard uh, more of the latter. I, I I just don't. If you're uh, you know, if you're the seller, I mean, it it all comes down to to the seller, right? I mean, there there's no way if I'm like the Bulls, I'm letting that return dictate anything anything to do with what I'm asking back for Jimmy Butler. Like, it's just you don't have to. You're the one with Jimmy Butler. Like, you can completely ignore that, and you can tell the other teams, like, hey, we're not. We're not even going to reference this in our talks because it's it's the Kings, and I, I think the Celtics have had an offer out for Jimmy Butler for a while, and it doesn't include this year's Brooklyn pick. And I think that that's kind of the sticking point because you can afford to be. I think if you're Danny Ainge, you can afford to be really picky and just try to hope that you just wait it out and catch them at a at a desperate enough time where they're willing to take the next year's Brooklyn pick and maybe a combination of young players, maybe even another pick in addition to next year's Brooklyn pick. I think the the Celtics uh goal here is to walk away with Jimmy Butler and keeping this year's Brooklyn pick and I don't think that that's completely impossible. I think it's a it's probably setting up for another trade deadline where the Celtics are rumored at a bunch of stuff and nothing happens. But I, I respect them for, for being 
uh, that kind of uh, steadfast in, in what they want. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not the same type of steadfast as the Kings, like, waiting too long on boogies. Like, worst-case scenario for the Celtics, you keep all your assets. Right. With, you keep, like, Bradley and Crowder on these great contracts. You, yeah. You, you also get these great draft picks. I don't think, personally, I, I think if they added Jimmy Butler this year, I would still pick the Cavs, if, yeah. if they're healthy, to beat them. So, like, I, I don't see this as some you know big missed opportunity waiting to happen if they just if we have trade deadline comes and goes and they haven't they haven't upgraded i i still think the Cavs are the favorite I, they're yeah. going to be the favorite I, I just don't see a way that that changes and i think that you want to if, if you're the celtics you look at your core you have uh isaiah thomas al horford you theoretically want to add jimmy butler you can't be like those future Brooklyn picks like after this year just aren't really going to help you when those guys primes are still going whereas if you added uh Markel Fultz or Josh Jackson uh to that mix or Lonzo Ball to that mix like I think those guys could adapt quickly enough to still be um to be high-end contributors while Horford Thomas and Butler are still in their prime that's the thing they have to pick do we want to contend right now or do we want to contend in like three or four years and that's that's going to be how this ultimately I think you you want to contend in three years right because LeBron's three years older in three years like you just you can't be setting yourself up for like we're taking LeBron down like when you just don't really have the guns unless like unless you just really shout out to the Raptors (laughs) well now if if Kevin Love for whatever reason like is just never back like just let's just say he's like a complete non-factor in the playoffs like for hypothetical sake. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I still wouldn't pick them to lose. I don't think, but I I think you're right. I think like in that scenario, the the Celtics could kick themselves to some extent, but then it's still like, well, the war like. The Warriors and the Spurs are still out there. That's like the you the just Warriors need you need there. so much to go right. Like I, mean, I you would need like Love to stay hurt. You would need Kevin Durant and or Clay Thompson to get hurt. Like that's the thing is, yeah, you can you could get to the finals. And for a lot of franchises, that's enough. I think mm-hmm. you know, like for the Raptors, they, I think they not that that's what they're. All it's about. not enough if you give up that Brooklyn pick right. and you don't you win at all. To, you have to cash in on that. Um, so, I mean, it'll be interesting. And the other thing with the Celtics is, like, how many more assets can they add? And, like, Philly might run into this thing, too, where you, like, you got, like, six guys who could all be star players on one roster. Well, the Celtics are in a better spot than the Sixers, obviously, I think, in that in that regard, right because cause the, the Sixers have several guys that are just nobody really wants them. Like, the, the Pelicans wanted Julio Okafor for whatever reason. That would have been... Apparently. That would have been a complete disaster. That would be a complete disaster. Uh, I think the Sixers are crazy if they if they're looking at a first round pick for Okafor and saying no right now because, like, you want like Okafor is never going to be a part of like a winning Sixers team. Uh, I don't know if Nerlens Noel is ever going to be a big part of a winning Sixers team, but like you could use the picks that you get for those guys to trade for guys that could be. Like I don't think you could trade Okafor or Nerlens Noel for guys that could be, but you could use those picks to to deal. And like Jalen Brown is eminently available right now. Marcus Smart is like they would happily include him in any deal. Uh, I mean, they, though I don't know. I think that's what's kind of holding them back. Oh they're, come they're, on, like, they're hesitant to deal. Him. Come on, like, they were rumored to like not want to part with Terry Rozier. Come on. 
they could have had Boogie easily if that was the case. You, just, you think they just don't want Boogie? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think I, – I think, like, Danny Ainge is kind of, like, on the fence, and I think Brad Stevens is, like, begging and pleading not okay. for them to so give, give him Chicago Boogie. Chicago and, and Boston says, we are not taking the – we're not dealing the Brooklyn pick, what do you deem an acceptable return for Butler? So the Celtics have the Brooklyn pick this year, their own pick, and they get three additional second-rounders this year in, a, in addition to their own. Not that those necessarily matter all that yeah. much. In 2018, they get the Brooklyn pick again, and they have their own pick. And then in 2019, they have their own pick. They have Memphis's pick, which is top eight protected. And they have the Clippers pick, which is lottery protected. So you could throw in the 2018 Brooklyn pick, the Memphis pick, and the Clippers pick. And, like, Jay Crowder, is that enough? Or do you have to go Crowder and Marcus Smart? Uh, There's a way – I guess there's a way where if you just keep adding in assets, I might do it. But, like – I would I, I just I don't think I if I'm the Bulls I just I need that this year's Brooklyn pick otherwise there's just no deal and if I'm the Celtics I don't want to include I think it's like a game of chicken honestly yeah. like which whichever one of those two sides comes off of insisting one way on that that pick I mean then I think you get a deal done if if neither side budges on that then I I don't think you get a deal done would you rather have Jimmy Butler or Paul George? They're on very similar contracts, uh, same type of years, but Butler has a player option for a third year. Which how uh, how old are they? How old are they? Yeah. Well, my computer tells me that Jimmy Butler is twenty-seven. Paul George, I'm going to guess, is around the same age, twenty-six. Yeah. He also has a metal rod in his leg. But Jimmy Butler <sighs> likes country music, so kind of a horse apiece. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. He's like a huge country guy. Okay. Uh, I think I would. Man, this is so, that's a tough one. I think I'd go Paul George. Really? I don't really know how to defend it i don't think there's a, a good way to defend it uh using statistics uh but just something about something something about like like i i've seen a paul george led pacers team look like the best team in a series against a lebron james team for a stretch of games and i've never seen any team led by jimmy butler look like anything that i want any part of so like i just I'm kind of basing it on that that I know I know Paul George can be the best player on a championship caliber team whereas I just I've yet to see and and part of that's not fair because part of it is you know you've got Fred Hoiberg you've got Rajon Rondo I mean there's there's a lot working against Jimmy Butler here but uh I like I like the the just tiny bit extra size you get out of Paul George like I think he he's you know a, a bit better if you want to have a guy that can can guard LeBron or Kevin Durant it's tough though I mean at that point you're really really splitting hairs are you would you go Butler I think I would go Butler I think Butler's the better player right now uh, I think I that's think last year the answer would have been probably Paul true um, he's probably he the better go, player would you rather right have now. either of those guys than Cousins I'd, yeah both of them yeah. yeah I'd rather both of them it's a shame because, like, minus the character concerns, Cousins is the answer, right? 
Yeah. I mean, this is we've been talking about this for a couple of years now. It's just uh, you can't like when all the smart teams that win, like you know that they would all say no to having Boogie. Like at, at a certain point, you have to just downgrade him appropriately in, in real life terms. Exactly. Uh, Wolves are taking a look at Derrick Rose, apparently. Gross. There's not much to say about that. That would probably have to be like Rose for Rubio, which is just kind of <laughs> disgusting for both sides. Um, Paul George, like we said, Indiana says they're not trading him. They're trying to find him help. That seems to be in the form of Jaleel Okafor. Mm-hmm. Probably not going to move the needle for the mm-hmm. Pacers, but, you know, good effort. Any other moves you think we'll see before the deadline on Thursday? One that I've I thought about would be a little bit interesting, and I've read a little bit of speculation about and it, there's no, like, founded rumors, just like a, hey, this would make sense type of thing. Houston, you know, sending its first-round pick and some sort of filler – for either Gallinari or Wilson Chandler, seems like it would make some sense. Uh, I don't know what I mean. What would the? It would depend on what the filler is. I don't know why I do that if I'm Denver. Uh, you get the first round pick. Yeah, but I mean, my team's worse this year. I'm I'm cruising for cruising for an eight seed. I want to. That's the thing. I guess they got to decide: do they want the eight or do they want to? fall back yeah i guess if you just if you want to just kind of like half-ass like tank yeah. over the final like it would basically four be weeks like, like, I don't know, like Corey brewer and yeah. the first round pick for one of those i mean that'd be a huge move for for houston i could definitely see why they would do that uh i wonder if i wonder what miami's looking at i feel like they're they're always kind of like sneakily active and they have some pieces there that just i don't know what you're holding on to those guys for long-term necessarily. I will say I spoke to a source nice. over All-Star Weekend who, who told me that Miami isn't looking to move Drogic or Whiteside because they basically the gist of it was they believe that tanking can have not like a karmic effect, but like it'll just, it's just like not bad a, for like, culture. They, they just said like, we're, you know, we don't believe that's how it should be done. And yeah. we kind of like what we have here. Like what if they won 12 out of 13 yeah. or something? No, I, I, I think that that is a, uh, mindset that i think a lot of good coaches have right uh and i i don't want to say like oh you should definitely be doing this but um i mean it is they really to me for that franchise to have a, a really rosy outlook going forward needed to lock up a top three or four pick this year and that mm-hmm. doesn't look like that's going to happen or at least they, their chances are lower of that happening than it used to be i think i think the magic should probably not be done doing stuff, but I don't know what they want to do or what, you know. I mean, maybe they're like, if Drummond gets moved or Reggie Jackson gets moved, I know I, I, I had heard over the weekend that Orlando was a potential spot for Brandon Knight. He's from Florida. They, you know, have no guards and are like one of the few teams. Who, <laughs> they like, have no guards. They could like reasonably absorb that salary and it wouldn't be crushing. Um, but yeah, I mean, if Drummond gets moved, that's an interesting one because like he's – He's not Al Jefferson or Roy Hibbert, you know, where you're like, he's just, you know, the game's passed him by. Like, it's not him at all. But he's also not DeMarcus Cousins or Anthony Davis or Chris Porzingis. Like, he's in that middle zone of, like, still shockingly young, really skilled, really athletic, but not that great on defense and doesn't stretch the floor at all and shoots, like, 40% from the line. Like, he's, he's like, his own individual kind of conundrum. Yeah, I just don't know uh, why you would trade for him, like, if you're – I mean, I'm sure there is a, an organization out, or maybe even a handful of organizations out there that look at Andre Drummond as something that they 
would like to add at the right price. I just don't like where that sets you up because it just really complicates your your end of game lineups. It complicates your your defense. Your everything you do on both sides is really impacted by him and often in kind of a, a negative way in terms of what pieces you can put around him and what kind of actions you can run. So I'd, I I wouldn't want to add him, but uh, man, talk about a guy whose stock in the uh, around the league is probably. Yeah. dropped more than almost anyone's in the past couple of years. I mean, if you if Andre Drummond had been available for trade like two years ago, even people like, would be lining up with just monster yeah. packages. And, even like a year ago. I mean, didn't he start yeah. the first two months of last year basically averaging like almost you know 15 and like 20 rebounds? Well, he's, he's you know, is he a top three rebounder in the NBA right oh, now? Yeah, pure I, rebounder, sure. Yeah, yeah like so that that's an amazing skill. But the defensive part, like that's that's what's – going to prevent him from ever being like as valuable as a guy like DeAndre Jordan can be because defensively it's just he's you got to really impact the game if you want to be that like can't shoot free throws big man who also can't shoot like he's also not really that much of an offensive threat either like he's just yeah. like a putback guy right he, he finishes like lobs and offensive rebounds and stuff it's it's just not yeah. all that appealing um future ah. future released an album on Friday, self-titled. It was pretty good. I still haven't really given it a thorough, thorough listen, but your thoughts? Uh, it's it's kind of just a classic Future album. Uh, there's always, like, with me and Future albums, there's always, like, five or six songs that I really like and just keep going back to, and then I just kind of ignore the other ones. Uh, I think Mask Off is an amazing song. I think uh, Out of Time is an amazing song. I think... Rent Money uh, is by far my favorite. All right, Rent Money. So that, there's there's three tracks for y'all to go uh, peep from the new Future album. And the bigger news is Future is allegedly releasing another album, as he's been known to do, uh, this coming Friday. So this one, as, as I'm reading from XXL.com, uh, it's expected to be more of a, quote, rhythmic-leaning and radio-friendly album, which... The one, like this one or the next one? This next one. Next one? I mean, this last one had no features at all. Like, there's no songs in there where you could imagine really being played and you know at a bar no. or on the radio. So this, this is an album you play in your car or right. maybe like in your room while you're like working or something. Like you're, you're not you're not playing this. Maybe while you're lifting weights or if you're, sure. if you're doing some like masonry work. Yeah, you're. Well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're definitely not like. It. I mean, it wasn't getting played at all the parties you were at in New Orleans. I mean, that, that's not the, the type of music we're talking about here. No, no. Um, I'm trying to think of the, the media party. What's oh, they were playing that uh, Staying Alive by the Bee Gees came on multiple times. I just remember thinking, I'm really here right now. This is not a song. I don't mind if uh, some Bee Gees get played when I'm out. That's, could be, it could be a lot worse. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. 
And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.